Chapter Six, Part B of Greener Than You Think. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Greener Than You Think by Ward Moore. Chapter Six, Part B. July twentieth. F's test today on some underbrush in a wood. Think in future I shall go only to inspect the results. The spraying is very dull. Wrote four pages and tore them up. S. says it is impossible to evict tenants. Asked him if there were no law left in England, and he answered, Not very much. I shall begin looking about for a new steward. Here the Tharios are in London. Grass reported beyond the Vosges. July 21st usual aftermath of f's experiment not a sign of vegetation left in the face of this simply maddening that she doesn't get into action directly against the grass got no satisfaction from her by direct questioning can her whole attitude be motivated by some sort of diseased and magnified femininity july twenty second noticed burlett at breakfast had left off his striped waistcoat such a thing has never happened before not surprised when he requested interview he began by saying it had been quite some time since he put before me his plan for what he calls vertical cities not caring for his attitude pointed out that it was quite outside my province as an employer to wet nurse any schemes of his nevertheless out of kindness i had brought it to the attention of the proper people but mr weiner sir people are losing their lives so you said before burlett and if nothing is done the time will come when you also will be killed by refugees or drowned by the grass that borders on impertinence burlett i hope i have never forgot my place but humanity takes precedence over humility that will be all burlett very good sir if convenient i should like to give notice as of the first all right burlett when he left i was unreasonably disturbed if i had pressed his scheme but it was impracticable july twenty third the grass is in the neighbourhood of antwerp and questions are being asked in parliament unless the government can offer satisfactory assurances of action by f they are expected to fall tomorrow assured the p m i would put the utmost pressure on f but i know it will do no good the woman is mad i would have her certified and locked up in an asylum in a second if only some other scientist would show some signs of getting result did not write a word on my history today july twenty fourth debate in parliament got nothing from f but rudeness wrote considerably on my book i would like to invite stuart thario to the ivies if for no other reason than to show i bear no malice but perhaps it would not be wise riots in sheffield july twenty fifth vote of confidence in commons the P.M. asked the indulgence of the House and played a record of Churchill's famous speech. Turning to the question of invasion, we shall not fail, we shall go on to the end. 
We shall defend our island, whatever the cost. We shall fight on beaches, in cities, and on the hills. We shall never surrender. Result. The government squeaked through. 209-4-199 against, 176 abstaining. No one satisfied with the results. Mrs. H. came to me in great distress. It seems the larder is empty of chutney, curry, and Worcestershire sauce, and none of these items can be purchased at Fortnum and Mason's or anywhere else. I assured her it was a matter of indifference to me since I did not care particularly for any of these delicacies. Mrs. H. swept this aside as entirely irrelevant. No well-conducted establishment Mr. Weiner is without chutney, curry, or Worcestershire. The insularity of the English is incredible. I have not tasted Coca-Cola hot dogs or had a bottle of ketchup for more than a year, but I don't complain. The grass is in the Skelda estuary, almost within sight of the English coast. I got nothing written on my history today. July 26. Invited to see film of a flight made about six months ago over what was once the United States. Very moving. New York still recognizable from the awkward shapes assumed there by the grass. In the harbor a strange mound of vegetation. Several of the ladies wept. I went home and thought about George Thario, and carried my history of the grass up until the time it crossed Hollywood Boulevard. July 27th. The grass is now in Ostend, definitely in sight from the coast. July 28th. Grass in Dunkirk. July 29th. F. astounded me this morning by coming to the Ivies, an unprecedented thing. She is, finally, about to undertake tests directly against the grass, and wants airplanes and gasoline. I impressed upon her how limited our facilities are and how they cannot be frittered away. She screamed at me insanely. The woman is positively dangerous in these frenzies, and I finally calmed her with the assurance, only superficially exact, that I was dependent on the authorities for these supplies. At length I persuaded her she could just as well use motor launches since the grass had now reached the channel. She reluctantly agreed and grumblingly departed. My joy and relief in her belated action was dampened by her arrogant intemperance. Can a woman so unbalanced really save humanity? July 30th. Wrote. July 31st. Wrote. August 1st. Attended at breakfast by footman. Extremely awkward and irritating. I inquired what had happened to Burlett. Reminded he had left. Annoyed at this typical lack of consideration on the part of the employed classes. We give them work and they respond with a lack of gratitude which is amazing. In spite of vexations, I brought my history up to the wiping out of Los Angeles. Leave with F and party at midnight for the tests. August 4th. It is impossible for me to set down the extent of the depression which besets me. F.'s assurance she has learned a great deal from the tests, and didn't for a minute expect to drive the grass back at this point, 
doesn't counter the fact that her latest spray hadn't the slightest effect on the green mass, which has now replaced the sandy beaches of the Pas de Calais. At great personal inconvenience, I accompanied her on her fruitless mission, and I didn't find her excuses, even when clothed in scientific verbiage, adequate compensation for the wasted time. August 5th. The government finally fell today, and there is talk of a coalition of national unity, with the Queen herself assuming extraordinary powers. There was general agreement that this would be quite unconstitutional, but that won't prevent its being done anyway. In spite of the stringent watch against refugees, the population has so enlarged that rations have again been cut. Mrs. H. says she doesn't know where the next meal is coming from, but I feel she exaggerates. Farmers, I hear, absolutely refuse to deliver grain. August 6. Interview with S.C. Offered him all the facilities now at the disposal of F. I admitted I was not without influence and could almost promise him a knighthood or an earldom. He said, Mr. Weiner, I don't need the offer of reward. I'm doing my best right now. But I'm proceeding along entirely different lines than Miss Frances. If I were to take her work over at this point, I'd nullify whatever advance she's made and not help my own research by as much as an inch. If C can't replace F, I don't know who can. Very despondent, but wrote just the same. Can't give in to moods. August 7th. BBC announced this morning the grass is in Bordeaux, and under the Defense of the Realm Act, every man and woman is automatically in service, and will be solely responsible for a hundred square feet of the island's surface, their stations to be assigned by the chief county constable. Tried to get Sir H.C. No phone service. Wrote on my history till noon. What a lot of bluster professional authors make over the writing of a book. They should have had the necessity every businessman knows for sticking eternally to it, and experience in a newspaper city room, as I had. Just before luncheon, an overworked-looking police constable bicycled over with designations of the areas each of us is responsible for. Sir H. very thoughtfully allotted the patrolling of my library to me. August 8th. Grass in Trois and Chalon. The assignment of everyone to a definite post has raised the general spirit. I've always said discipline was what people needed in times of crisis, takes their minds off their troubles. The Prime Minister spoke briefly over the wireless, announcing he was in constant touch with all the research workers, including Miss Francis. Annoyed at his going over my head this way, a quite unnecessary discourtesy. Marked incivility and slipshodness among the staff, spoke to Mrs. H. and S. Both agreed it was deplorable, saw no immediate help for it. So upset by petty annoyances, I could not write all my history. August 9th. Glorious news! The BBC announced the anti-grass compound would be perfected before Christmas. August 10th. F denies validity of the wireless report, said no one with the remotest trace of intelligence would make such a statement. Is it impossible to have the compound by then? I asked her. It's not impossible to have it by tomorrow morning. Good 
heavens wiener can't you understand i'm not a soothsayer can it be some scientist i know nothing of is getting ahead of her very dishonorable of the government if so despite uncertainties wrote three more pages august eleventh riots in manchester and birmingham demagogues pointing out that even if the anti-grass compound is perfected by christmas it will be too late to save britain they don't count apparently on the channel holding the plague back for long possible the government may fall which won't disturb me as i prefer the other party anyway august twelfth after a long period of silence from the continent Radio Mondial went on the air from Cherbourg, asking permission for the government to come to London. August 13th. The watch on the south and east coasts has been tripled, more as a precaution against the never-ceasing wave of invasion than the grass. It has been necessary to turn machine guns on the immigrant boats, purely in self-defense. The rioting in the Midlands has died down, possibly on the double assurance that permission for the removal of the French government had been refused. I cannot find out, to satisfy my idle curiosity, if it is still the Republic One and Indivisible which made the request, or whether that creation was succeeded by a less eccentric one, and that Christmas was a conservative estimate for the perfection of the compound, a last possible date brought my history up to the last war. August 14th. Very disheartening talk with the PM today. It seems the whole business of setting a date was an error, from beginning to end. No one gave any such promise. It dare not be denied now, however, for fear of the effect upon the public. I must begin to think seriously of moving to Ireland. August 15th grass reported in the pharaohs french channel coast covered to the mouth of the seine what is the matter with f is it possible the failure of the last experiment blasted all her hopes if so she should have told me so i might urge on others working along different lines motored to the laboratory and spoke about moving to ireland she agreed it might be a wise precaution you know, Wiener, the jackass who said Christmas mightn't have been so far out after all. She seemed very confident. Came home relieved of all my recent pessimism and brought my book down to the overrunning of the United States. I am not a morbid man, but I pray I may live to set foot on my native soil once again. August 16th. No new reports from France can the grass be slowing down wrote furiously august seventeenth wrote for nearly ten hours definitely decided to discharge us he is thoroughly incapable no word from france but there is a general feeling of great optimism august eighteenth bad news very bad news the grass has jumped two hundred miles from the Faroes to the Shetlands, and we are menaced on three sides. Went up to London to arrange for a place in Ireland. I cannot say I was well received by the Irish agent, a discourteous and surly fellow. Left orders to contact Dublin direct as soon as phone service is resumed. August 19th. 
It seems Burlet has been interesting all sorts of radicals and crackpots in his scheme for glass-enclosed cities. Local MP very reproachful. You should have warned me, Mr. Weiner. I asked him if he honestly thought the idea practical. That isn't the point, not the point at all. As far as can be learned, France is completely gone now. It is supposed a fragment of Spain and Portugal are still free of the grass, and a little bit of Africa. It is almost unbelievable that all these millions have perished, and that the only untouched land left is these islands. Many irritations. The phone is in order for perhaps half an hour a day. Only the wireless approximates a normal schedule. Wrote six pages. August 20. Dublin apologized profusely for the stupidity of their agent, and offered me a residence near Kilkenny and all the facilities of Trinity for F. and her staff. Told F., who merely grunted. She then stated she wanted a completely equipped sea-going laboratory for work along the French coast. I said I'd see what could be done. Much encouraged by this request. August 21. The arrogance and short-sightedness of the working class is beyond belief. They refuse absolutely to work for wages any longer. I now have to pay for all services and concentrates. Even the warehouse guards previously so loyal will accept nothing but food. I foresee a rapid dwindling of our precious supplies under this onslaught. August 22nd. With all the shipping Consolidated Pemmican owns, I can find nothing suitable for F's work. Almost decided to outfit my personal yacht Sisyphus for that purpose. It would be convenient to use for the Irish removal if that becomes necessary. Burlitt's ideas have found their way into Parliament. The independent Labour member from South Tooting asked the Home Minister why nothing had been done about vertical cities. The Home Minister replied that Britons never would permit a stolen of the grass to grow on English soil, and therefore such fantastic ideas were superfluous. ILPMP not satisfied. August 23rd. Ordered the Sisyphus to Southampton for refitting. It will cost me thousands of tons of precious concentrates, besides lying for weeks in a dangerously exposed spot. But I can make a better deal in Southampton than elsewhere, and I refuse to be infected by the general cowardice of the masses. Speaking of the general temper, I must say there has been a stiffening of spirit in the last week or so. Very laudable and encouraging to one who believes in the essential dignity of human nature. No new report on the grass for four days. August 24th. The member from South Tooting has introduced a bill to start construction at once of one of Burlet's cities. The bill calls for the conscription of manpower for the work and whatever materials may be necessary without compensation. The last clause is, of course, aimed directly at me. Naturally, the bill will not pass. August 25th. Flew to Kilkenny. 
I fear this will be one of the last plane trips I can make for a long time, since the store of aviation gasoline is just about exhausted. The place is much more beautiful than Hampshire, but deplorably inconvenient. However, since the Irish are still willing to work for money, I have ordered extensive alterations. August 26. I have stopped all sale of concentrates. Since money will buy nothing, it would be foolish of me to give my most precious asset away. Of course we cut the deliveries down to a mere dribble some time ago, but even that dribble could bleed me to death in time. I have doubled the wages in concentrates of the warehouse guards in fear of possible looting. End of chapter 6, part B